Hello, everybody. This is your American host, Philip Millman, having to tell you that we had some audio problems recording this podcast, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to edit it like I normally would love to do so. So with that, we're giving you kind of the roughest of cuts. We still hope you enjoy our podcast on blinging games. Today is March 29th, 2020. Welcome to the Generic Board Game Podcast, all the board gaming content that you could possibly want at a fraction of the price. I'm your American host, Philip Millman. And I'm your European host, Vic from NaveCon, and you're very welcome to this evening slash today's lovely bright day out. And yeah, it's uh, 70 degrees plus here in the Washington, D.C. area. The sun is shining, uh, the bees are out, and everybody is staying six feet apart from each other, or in your parlance, two meters. Two meters, that's it, yeah. Um, well, you know what? There's a lot of pluses. The, um, <laughs> you you know, know, I use, especially I, with that temperature, yeah. Yeah, I use my halberd to, to, to measure the six feet, and if people get too close, I just cut them. Is that a euphemism? or A halberd is a poleaxe from the I, Middle Ages. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm using some terminology from my youth. There you go. Come here. <laughs> hey, things, get off uh, my lawn! Yeah. Um, Speaking of lawns, nothing connected at all. What have you been playing in the last one? So uh, the board games that I've been playing have been fairly on the lighter side. I've played, uh, what did I play? Oh, I played Azul Summer Pavilion. I played that twice with my wife. Uh, I've beaten her once and she's destroyed me the second time. And then we've played, oh gosh, what else did we play? Uh, We played Era, Medieval Age, which is a... Roll and place, I guess, is the best way to do it. You're building up these little uh, medieval towns. You're trying to wall them in for extra points. Um, You're trying to avoid the plague. It's actually a very interesting game. I'm not a big fan of roll and rights, but I really like this roll and plug type of thing. Hmm. It's kind of like uh, Eagle Griffin's games, um, Roll Through the Ages. This is actually a Tom Lehrman game, which really surprised me. I really like it, and I'm not a big dice chucker, um, so that I played that, and then I played, um, I've played online a couple of games. I've played a couple of games of Love Letter just to get used to Tabletop Arena, and then I played a couple of online games of Baseball Highlights 2045, uh, because as the two-time world champion, I'm the one that everybody's shooting for to, to show we how good they are. We here and just come back in an hour. <laughs> An hour later, that's been cut, uh, and, I've, and, I've also, and I've also played um, Quantum, which is also on uh, a Tabletop Arena, which I'm really happy to see table, because Quantum is such a good game, and it's so underrated, and I just don't see uh, enough people playing it. That was one of those surprise games that I played at a, a board game geek con where someone said, hey, let's go play this. I'm like looking at the art, and I'm like, eh, I've talked about this on, my, on, the, uh, on this podcast before. But then when I played, I'm like, ooh, ooh, oh, it was very, it's very good. What have you been playing, Vic? Um, I've been playing a lot of online stuff with um, people that I would normally face-to-face with. Uh, I played Imperial 2030 last Thursday. Um, mm. We While this is going on, um, we're trying to keep up our regular Thursday night games and some of the guys have a Tuesday night and so on. They still play that. And there's a little bit of kind of sporadic gaming as well. Uh, I got to play kind of on camera um, a few games with kind of family games with other families and so on. But Imperial 2030, you know, wake me up in the middle of the night and I'll play that game. It's just so good. Um, it's Have you played it? I have not. I have not okay. played. You would like it, I think. It's a little bit different. It's um, It's been around a while. It's still excellent. It hasn't lost itself. Uh, it's a revision of a game called Imperial. They tightened up the rules and re-released it. Same guy did Azul. Um, ah, same what, guy. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Is it, uh, it's not Kiesling. It's uh, Kramer, right? I think so, yeah. That's him, yeah. Um, but his, there's just something about it. You don't own the country. You invest in it. So... What happens during a game is you're running, say, the USA or you're running Europe, and then somebody buys a controlling share and takes it over. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, it's really, really clever, and it melts your brain the first few times you play it. 
And then it melts your brain the next dozen times you play it. Okay, so Azul's was by Kiesling, not by Kramer. So, okay. The, Once again, I get it wrong. Yeah, I, I'm sure people can Google it. The, um, <laughs> well, that's, what I just, that's literally what I just did. Yeah. Um, what else did I play? I played Railway Inc. Um, with my family, and that's, that's not bad. It's a, a roll and write game. Uh, I did really, I've kind of one of the originals, the Roll Through the Ages, I've always liked it. You just mentioned it there. I still think it's one of the best roller rights games out there. Um, it's hard to fault it. There's a, there's a little bit to it. Um, and you can also upgrade it. With, there's a, a few um, printouts that you can get for it to, to change it around and change the, the various monuments and so on. But let's talk about Kickstarters. Have you got anything in any irons in the fire? Not really. Uh, the only Kickstarter that I've done recently is one that just finished, which was um, Mint Control. It's a it's one of these little mint tin games. I really like them because they're small. I can put them in my backpack or in my glove compartment, and they play well. They play in about ten to f- to twenty minutes. Uh, they're not particularly complicated, but they do have some interesting choices. You know, my favorite to date is still Mint Works, although Mint Delivery is pretty good. Uh, and we are going to actually be getting uh, the president of the company, Rachel Blask, to be on our podcast in probably late April, early May. So she's excited to to join our podcast. And they make good yes. products. So uh, I, I've I've been a Kickstarter fan of theirs for a while, but that's really it. How about you? Um, I backed. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name, but the Wonderland's War. But I only backed it for a dollar to see where it's going. I've, I've kind of mixed feelings about it. And at the moment, just what's going on in the world, it's it's kind of hard to justify buying games that I'll never be able to play until all this finishes up. So my purchasing has um, has kind of died down a little bit. But there's there's not a huge amount of stuff. What I what I've been finding anyway in the last year or so is between myself and my gaming buddies, we tend to have a hand on every new game that comes out. So Kickstarters and so on, we we're, we're, since the start of the year, there's definitely been a trend amongst gaming friends that I have to buy less Kickstarters, just the way it is. One of the things that I've been also thinking about is now I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a job and I have a government job and so my income is going to be pretty stable through all of this. Uh, one of the, I don't know if you saw this, but last year, uh, not last year, last week, roughly 3.3 million Americans uh, put in for their first time unemployment claims. And that's a tremendous amount of people that have lost their jobs. I mean, I know through the various social media, plenty of people anecdotally that have lost their jobs and a lot of people who are going to have trouble finding jobs, which don't necessarily show up in these numbers. So I, I, I have to wonder if Kickstarter is going to have uh, issues, especially board gaming, which is a non-necessity going forward. So the, this, this will be something that we'll have to take a look at. Well, the mood has gone downhill quite quickly there now. <laughs> well, well, we are honest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just yourself. trying to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm never... the Simon. I'm the Simon of this group, okay? Yeah, yeah. You've, uh, you've obviously never played a game with me face-to-face. <laughs> I'm completely honest. You can trust everything I say. Um, well, that brings me to the one game I didn't talk about, which was I played Resistance Avalon for the first time online, and I reminded myself why I typically don't play social deduction games uh, because everybody immediately thought I was the traitor, even though I wasn't good. I did screw up early on because I was still trying to figure out the social dynamics of the group. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather play some, some heavy soulless Euro with little wooden cubes that are of various colors. That sounds like a person rather than a game, a heavy Euro <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, talking about unusual games, I haven't spoken about this before. I played a deduction game recently with the whole family, another family. It was set around the city where I, I live near, and it was... Um, a Peaky Blinders um, game of deduction where you use GPS. Oh, You go around the city, there's different spots, you find um, people. So when you get to a particular location in the city, it'll reveal uh, a clue and then you can talk to 
on your phone, the person does a, a, a preset video plays and gives you a clue as to something else oh, that nice. can lead you. Early. So kind of like a, a VR or a augmented reality um, treasure hunt. Really, really clever. Unfortunately, really, really wet day, but amazing experience. I mean, even things like you get to one yeah, I know you're looking at me funny. It rains in Ireland. I, I, yeah. I've never, heard, I've never heard about it raining. And every time I go to Ireland, it's nothing but sun and shine. Yeah, that one day is important to come. That the window opens there, and uh, you, you, you need to, you know, you need to get out and look around. But yeah, really clever stuff. There's, there's so many kind of options for gaming now. But what we're talking about this evening, uh, because we agreed this in advance. It, is, way in advance, like five minutes ago. Oh, at least it, it's six now. Mm. Is blinging games, blinging, pimping, improving, changing, modifying. Um, that's what we're going to talk about. And even though people might kind of look at it and go, "Yeah, I buy the retail version of a game and I leave it at that," everybody blings their game to a certain extent. It might be that you get expansions for it. Uh, it might be that. You go and you buy, say, the Kickstarter. So, Philip, take us through buying the Kickstarter version over the retail version. So, in a lot of cases, and and one company that I do buy a lot of games from um, does like to do blinging. So, which is Eagle Griffin Games, which is the maker of Baseball Highlights Twenty Forty Five, which is a game I did bling, and I, I can talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> But what they typically offer is they'll offer a Kickstarter type game where the extras that come in the Kickstarter, they, they will create a deluxe version of a game. And then they will have more of a retail version of the game. Both are eminently playable. But there are little things that you go out and you get in the Kickstarter version that will, that for me at least, make the game much more interesting and much more tactile. So typical things that you would find in a Kickstarter in the deluxe version are wooden bits that might be plastic or paper, otherwise uh, silk screening onto wooden bits, which you find in a lot of Kickstarter and the deluxe version of Kickstarters. Metal coins, which I happen to love. One of the best use of metal coins, frankly, in my opinion, is the metal coins that are being used in PAX Premier 2.0. Uh, I don't know if that Kickstarter is, is still currently going on or not, but their metal coins were excellent. The metal coins in Lisboa were excellent, which um, are Jaire, Jaire, I can't pronounce it. It's the Portuguese uh, currency. And... Those are the, and then of course, inserts, right? A lot of these deluxe games will have these games trade now that will have a really good insert, usually allow you to sleeve your cards. So as you buy these games um, on Kickstarter, you have to make the economic choice. Do I want it with all the extra bits, metal coins, wooden bits? Like on Mars, the differential was probably about 30 bucks between the retail version, which is perfectly playable and perfectly fine, versus one that had the game trays and had some of the wooden bits like the little robots and the little uh, silk screened astronauts or at worker astronauts, you know, uh, people in, in spacesuits so they can work on the, the face of Mars. All of those things really go into the, your decision of what you like. Now I tend to I have a, a slightly better income profile. So, and my, my last child is finished with college or at least I'm finished paying for college. So, you know, for me, I will probably be more likely to get a deluxe version or as Tiny Minstrel Games likes to call it, deluxified. So, for instance, if you had gotten uh, the deluxe version of Yokohama, which I do, the, the men, the presidents, and the workers were nice little wooden shapes, whereas the retail version... Uh, the president was um, a bigger, was I think a bigger cube and the workers, the, his assistants are all smaller cubes. The trading houses and the stores uh, in the deluxe version were these nice wooden shapes. And in the retail version, they're just bits of cardboard. So you have, and, and, the, and the money too, right? The yen in the, in the deluxe version were metal and the yen in the, Retail version or not. So it's up to you to decide how, you know, what your economic price point is. But for me, the Kickstarter is, I tend to bling it up. Now for Kickstarters 
that say these are Kickstarter exclusives, I'm less likely to be interested in getting unless there's something really special about it. And 99 times out of 100, these Kickstarter exclusives are available later. So those are, those tend I not I tend not to. But those are the type of two types of blings that I see in Kickstarter. One is Kickstarter exclusives, which are not usually that exclusive because you can always get them at a convention or someplace else. And then the deluxe versions, which allow you to get metal coins and upgraded bits. What about you, Vic? The one thing that would strike me about, uh, I do look very carefully at Kickstarters um, and kind of wonder if it's worth it and so on. Some games, Endeavor, the Kickstarter, the deluxe version of Endeavor is a work of art. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I've compared it to the retail version and it's such a better game now it absolutely, obviously it absolutely, it, it absolutely is uh yeah. i i own the 10th anniversary of endeavor i got the full deluxe version and it is gorgeous yeah and, and the thing about it is this is it doesn't make a bad game good just like models don't make a, a bad game good you know put lipstick on a duck it's still a duck um but <laughs> the certain games that are good can benefit from that extra little bit, like Container. You've seen the jumbo version of Container, have you? I own it. Yeah, I've got a copy of it too, and it's so much better as that. It's a, yep, you could knock an intruder out with the ships. The um, It's a really, really nice game, and it's made that much better with it, but you gotta be careful. I mean, you could have, um, I remember joking about a, a hairdressing school. I used to get my hair cut in when I was a student and haircuts were like three or four euros. Um, but the thing was, you knew it was a bad student when they were using a lot of gel on your hair to cover up all their mistakes. But there's some nice stuff out there. But again, has to be a good game. And that's in the eye of the beholder. And I would say that there's some games out there that would benefit from some decent blinging. Um, Two that come to mind immediately. One is uh, Great Western Trail, because or or uh, Terraforming Mars. As for those two games, terrible, great game, terrible components, and it really causes people to be less interested in these games. Mm-hmm. Another game that I think, which is a good game that needs blinging because of the the poor quality of the the, the work was. Um, the Expanse, the game that you you really like. Oh, yeah. That game desperately needs to have upgraded bits. Yeah. Funny enough, uh, a buddy of mine and myself set set to work on that. And we, we did, he got a company in the UK that did rubber mats. And don't, don't ask me why you knew about this. And we got, uh, I did up in PowerPoint of all things, uh, an improved map with a proper background. It's not a complex map. And then we went off and got, if you know, the spaceship pack for Eclipse and painted up the ships and upgraded ourselves all of the components and then never played it since. But that's not the point. It's a better looking game, but it, it, it is the worst uh, produced game I've ever seen. And it's a pity because it is a good game. It, yeah, Barrage has had... Yeah, Barrage has also had some of the, the same issues. I mean, one of the other things that can make a good game even better, our expansion. So sure. my quintessential example for that is the Tuscany expansion for Viticulture. Viticulture is a good game. Uh, now, people say that there's a little bit of randomness with the cards, but so be it. But it's a good worker placement game. It has some very interesting decisions. The theme is nice. The bits are nice. Mm-hmm. When you add it in the Tuscany expansion, which goes from a two seasons to four seasons, and then there's ability to do things in different seasons, and the way it handles uh, different benefits you get by being in different places in the order, and you get to choose where in the order you go after the first round, that's really interesting. And it, and it, and it really turned a game that, in my opinion, was probably a you know a high six low seven into an upper nine like and and it's been in and out of my top 10 for quite some time it's a really really good game but what it was a good game before but when the expansion hit the game became that much better and yeah I, I i found the same with um battlestar galactica 
Now, mm. Battlestar Galactica is a decent game. It is very good. It's been out a while, but when and it's they been released... out of, and it's been out of print for a while too. Sure. The when they released the Pegasus expansion. Now it makes the game longer, but if you play with the Pegasus expansion, it goes from being really good to absolutely extraordinary. Now it does make the game a three or four hour game, but the whole experience is, you know, out of this world. Um, and literally, you know, literally, it's in space. That's very good. Let's not cut that bit. The, um, the, 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 actually, talking about uh, beauty culture, what I did just talk about blinging, and it kind of leads us a little bit into it, is adding things to it um, from unusual sources. I mean, I've played, um, what's it called, Spectre Ops, where somebody replaced the car with just a a matchbox or a, a Hot Wheels car, and it wow. works really well. Uh, what I did with Beauty Culture was I found a whole pile of very, very cheap key rings with wine bottles on them that are maybe one inch tall mm. on AliExpress. I bought a hundred of them for like five bucks and then unscrewed them. And now I have little, they have labels on them. There's white, there's red, and there's rose, and they fit perfectly in the game. So, oh, nice. You know, if you think about it, you can kind of slip certain things in there. The other thing about expansions that I, I, there's a kind of mixed feeling on them, really. Some people will look at an expansion and go, no, I'm going to get a different game for the price of the expansion. And you can wind up getting an expansion for a game that doesn't improve it. The one that jumps out at me straight away was an expansion to Shadows Over Camelot, which is a really nice game. It's like a, early version of Battlestar to a certain extent, still very mm-hmm. playable. And there was an expansion which goes for a ridiculous price now because it's out of print. It just ruined the game. It was just made it too hard. It made it practically impossible. It made it more of a puzzle than anything else. And played it twice and went, no, never going to play that again. In fact, it's it's kind of sullied the game for me a little. And we, we I got a copy of the base game again a few years back and we played it again. It's still a really good game, but some expansions just don't help at all. No, I, I agree, and I've and I've run into that a, a couple of times. There was um, an expansion. Oh dear, 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 dear! I'm trying to remember now what the game was. Um, Dark Dealings. Dark Dealings was a cute game, but when you got to the expansion, it was just like forget it. It's not worth it. Uh, I have, I, I think at some point we need to do a, a show on expansions that really improve the game. Cause I'm thinking yeah. of, um, uh, what's the, what's the D and D game? Um, Waterdeep, Lords of Waterdeep. Oh yeah. Those two expansions are so good. Absolutely. And, and I just wouldn't, I, I wouldn't play without them now. I just, they're so good. And then game and then, Speaking of Great Western Trail, uh, Railroads to the North, while it's an interesting expansion, it actually breaks the game. There's two things, actually, that just came to mind there when we were talking about this, um, is there's components you can buy that add to games, such as Great Western Trails. There was a really nice overlay, um, a Perspex overlay, where all of the pieces slot in really nice. And it I, have, I, I own that. I own yeah, that. and it, it improved the game a lot, and it needs it the same. Now, you can get kind of superfluous ones for the likes of Azul and so on, um, but certainly some games really benefit from that kind of, what would you call it, overlay? Yeah, that's exactly what you call it. You call it an overlay. Well, uh, and, and uh, Terraforming Mars absolutely oh, yeah. needs it. Absolutely yeah. needs it. I have a, that's one where I have an overlay. Uh, I also have an overlay for the first Azul, which desperately needs it. Um, but yeah, Especially if you have those big fingers, the big fat ones. Yeah, like that, that's that's, uh, that's yeah, that's, that's fine. Make make fun of my portly nature. <laughs> yeah, robust. The um, <laughs> Rubenesque. Yeah, Rubenesque. That's, that's that's the word that came straight to my head. Um, <laughs> the other thing we we haven't got to yet in our pack show is. Models or minis, as they're better known, rather than standees. And again, you know, it has to be a good game. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But certain games, absolutely, certainly, will not work without minis. Um, Absolutely. And there's some games that absolutely uh, play much better because of the minis. And then there's some that, you're right, if the game's not good, a mini's not going to help. Perfect. 
my perfect example in the game that I hate the most uh, is a cool mini or not game that came out shortly after Zombie Side, which I really enjoyed. Now my tastes have evolved since then, and so I've sold it off, but I did enjoy it. Sedition Wars, my God, what a lousy game! Mm-hmm. Phenomenal minis, especially, mm-hmm. and I've and I've used those minis for other space games. Okay, but dear God, that game sucks. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there are certain games, if it's got, say, Starship Samurai or Battletech or um, Giant Killer Robots, anything that, that, you know, it needs to look the part or if it's a battle, I, I, I need to kind of see it before I believe it. And I think there are certain models that make it, even if you look at um, Imperial Assault or... Uh, any of the Star Wars games, unless you're seeing actual Star Trooper, you know, sorry, Storm Troopers, and you're seeing Dark Vader, and it, it just doesn't work. And look at X-Wing, look at Armada. They, they wouldn't be the same without cardboard pieces. Not a hope. It just wouldn't work. No, I, I agree. I agree. It's games like that, and especially war games, do so much better with uh, models as opposed to bits. Uh, the David uh, Tucci game, um, Knights of Ire, comes with uh, uh, cardboard bits, but it also comes with, you can also buy it, and this was kind of a bling, comes with minis, with tanks, and so forth. And I think it's a much better game with it. Mm. I actually didn't know that. The uh, uh, I did not know that at all. And I keep seeing Knights of Ire and Days of Ire and looking and going, I kind of like the look of that. I, I think it's it talks to me. You, you yeah. know who I'm going to be in Days of Ira, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have to get it played before my trip to Hungary so that I can play it in Budapest. But uh, I, it, it really looks like a good game. I mean, I've, I've taken it out of the box. I've played with it a little bit just to get a sense of what the game is. But I, I definitely think it's one of those games that I think will, will, will stay in my collection for a while. Do you paint? I do not. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. But when I take a look at how long it takes, I just cannot commit to that time. Mm. So I, I, do I want to paint? Yes. I also worry about my, my artistic ability with painting. So okay. that, that also kind of, I think it's more fear than anything else. I mean, you paint, right? You do a good deal do, of painting. Yeah. Yeah, um, my kind of painting goes back to there's a company in the south of Ireland called Prince August, and Prince August famously make they still make uh, pewter models or, or models that you can cast yourself. So you get rubber mm. molds and you cast the models and so on, and then they moved on to Lord of the Rings models and and various pre. Um, pre-made models and so on that's where i would have started out printing uh printing sorry uh casting models and then painting them and so on really really badly Um, Mm -hmm. would have been kind of the end of my secondary school or high school in your case uh, and when i went to college this is where i started out Mm -hmm. painting models and i've I've been painting models badly for many many years (laughs) Uh, but what i would say to you is if you're starting out have a look at um, contrast paints from mm. Games Workshop. Contrast paints are kind of magical. Even if you aren't a magnificent painter, guilty, and mm-hmm. I've, I've got to an age where I need reading glasses and also lights and someone else to paint, but uh, I would strongly recommend um, contrast paints because you can fly through models and you can get them game fit. You don't have to go to the kind of detail you would with kind of Warhammer models where you're painting each individual pore. Uh, this, you give it a few coats. I mean, you'll paint half a dozen models in an hour. Oh, that's... And, and, and it really comes out really well, like surprisingly good. Uh, it's worth kind of investing in a few of the paints and some brushes and just trying it out. And I think uh, if we can post some of those links on... Mm-hmm. Pod, Podbean or iTunes yeah, or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll put some together and we'll, we'll, for next week, what we might do is make a mention of where it is or I'll stick it up in the NaveCon group. Uh, yeah, there, um, that, would, that would be very good. The, the, the other thing is, is that occasionally, I mean, while models are good, occasionally stand-ups work really, really well. I don't know if you've ever played, and I, I know this is going to hurt your ears to, for me to say this, but I don't know if you've ever played the cooperative game 
uh, the captain is dead, which is sort of a parody of the Enterprise where the captain is dead and you're trying to save your ship from aliens coming at you. It's a very, very clever game. But the, the stand-ups are actually sort of these, uh, sort of these uh, painted on figures on, they're not even figures, they're sort of translucent uh, plastic on these little standees. They're not cardboard. Mm. And it just works so well because of the, the, the type of game it is and the theme of the game it is. So I'm just going to say, not always do you need an actual figurine. I mean, if you take a look at, um, what is it, Corleone's Empire or Corleone's yeah. War, you know, those figures are cute, but probably could stand to be painted. I don't know if, if they add, add anything really in the game. It did, the thing the thing about it is I you and I I'm sure own a lot of unpainted models that and would be a true statement yep that's it and we can't deny it. working on that statement and working from that uh, you know an unpainted model is just a gray blob in mm-hmm. a lot of cases and it's not going to add that much to it so if you can paint your models do paint your models but it depends on the game I mm-hmm. mean I painted up models for Spectre Ops, and it does make a difference. It's, it goes from being something a little bit bland to something really, really interesting. You don't have to be the greatest painter in the world, and it's, you've got a lot of stuff to, you've got a lot of bodies to bury before you get onto the games you like, um, and it's, it's worth trying out. I, I would recommend you get a spray can to undercoat, and you get some contrast paints. Just yeah, go that, for it. Make no, your I mistakes think, now. I, I think those are some really good ideas. The other place where I, I also go to upgrade my game is getting upgraded bits. And the perfect example of that is Orleans, right? Mm. Orleans is a very good game. It's a bag builder game, but the bits are cardboard. And while that's fine, I found that sometimes the bits would get stuck in the bags as I was trying to pull them, you know, sometimes like, wait, why didn't this ever come out? Well, it got stuck kind of in one of these folds. Board Game Geek, uh, they have a store and they will sell upgraded plastic bits. So instead of it being cardboard, it's these nice little chunky uh, round discs that are plastic and they're much easier to pull out, have a much better tactile feel. And I think they really make the game more playable because I really do feel the randomness of, of what I'm pulling out, trying to figure out how I'm going to beat my wife at Orleans and I've yet to do so, but it, 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 it really adds something. And so um, that's something that I, I do get. So I, I've gotten the upgraded bits from that. I've also gotten upgraded bits for Antiquity, the upgraded bits for um, Arkwright, which are terrible. The, the Arkwright normal ones are just these little cardboard bits. And you get the nice bits from, uh, uh, you get the nice bits from Board Game Geek. It really does add something. So uh, one of the things I found is that bits really can actually improve it. And and occasionally you can buy in the aftermarkets metal coins. So uh, again, mm. big fan of yep. metal coins. I'm also a big fan of poker chips, uh, especially for 18xx games or any games that have a lot of money. So for instance, in Great Western Trail, um, where their money is, you know, it's bucks and it's just these little round cardboard discs. I use poker chips, which just feel so much more natural. I'll give you a good one. A good few years ago at a NaveCon, a, a guy that was selling some, one of the traders was, um, he was somebody who did, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, re, not recreations, recreations, or recreations where they dress up as Vikings or they dress up as um, ancient whatevers. But he was making some leather stuff and he gave me a ubiquitous, um, leather pouch for carrying coins and I went off and looked around the world and there are some very interesting coins around the world Mexican mm-hmm. coins um, Japanese coins if you look around there's some very interesting ones and you can pick them up for next to nothing in fact somebody on BGG from Japan sent me over they were like here take them they're worth nothing uh, sent me a whole pile of coins and when I was playing any games with coins out would come the leather bag and we'd just replace, for that game that night, we'd replace the, the cardboard coins with pesos or whatever, and we'd play it that way. And no, it was a- one kind of way of, you, you'd keep the bag out, you wouldn't put it with a game, you just keep it for a, a general lump of, of money. Absolutely. Those are the 
that's why I like metal coins. That's why I like poker chips because it really is a much better way of doing money. And so I even found, and this is just kind of a, a, a little bit of a side, uh, a, a little bit of a side diversion. I even found mini poker chips. So they're about, I think Ooh. three millimeters or five millimeters, something like that. They're very small. You can buy them dirt cheap at discount poker something or other.com. Mm-hmm. And I also found a, a place on Etsy and Etsy is also a great place to go find people who have really interesting things to bling your games. They had a mini chip holder in a Havana cigar box. Ooh. So now I just put a rubber band around it. I have all my coins there. And so when I travel to somebody else's house or to a game night at, at the game store, hopefully that we have one soon because not everything's in lockdown. I just bring that with me. And that's, that's really so good. much better. It is yeah. so much better. So there's a lot of different ways of bringing up. And I would like to point out that Etsy is a good place to find a lot of these things that you'd want to bling your game with. I'll give you an unusual one that I did recently. Is Are you a fan of GMT games? I am. Are you familiar with... Um, Mr. Millman, uh, is this your vehicle? The, is this your board game? Are you familiar with the very small cardboard chits? I said chits uh, that come with, say, terror written on them. They're maybe, I don't know, half an inch across mm-hmm. um, and so on. And you get a few of those together. They slip around. They're hard because of the corners is, you may know what I'm going to say next, is I went and I bought a corner crimper and crimped all of them with, I think it's like a three millimeter rounding to them. And it is, it makes a surprising difference to the game. You don't think it, but when you see them crimped and so on, it really improves the game because the pieces don't knock each other in the same way. So the, what I have, I don't have that. And I've, I've, I went and tried once to get one, but for whatever reason, it was never shipped to me. So I had to get my money back. What I do use, though, is a hand vacuum. It's a little $10 thing where it has a little suction cup on it, and you you put it on the piece, you press it, it creates this little vacuum. It makes it much easier to pick up and drop little pieces. And as you've said, I have fat fingers. This really helps. So I use like one of these little hand vacuum things. Now, they're originally used for picking up um, computer chips off off of boards, now hmm. that everything is integrated and there's no chips to pull on or pull off, like in the old days, I know you might remember this in your history books. If you wanted to upgrade your computer from, say, uh, I don't know, uh, 384 kilobytes, big- yeah, 384 kilobytes to 640 kilobytes, you had to actually physically remove all the all the chips. So this was kind of a tool that helped you do that. Now I'm using it for cardboard chits to help me move them without knocking over the entire board. I think we should do a whole kind of thing on on, on kind of elderly aids that you use for um for your gaming. You know, that people would listen to that. You, know, you can you right. kind of walk up to the table with your Zimmer frame. Um, <laughs> but while you're in your nursing home, I understand you do a lot of inserts for your games. Yes, while I'm in my rocking chair with yeah. and, and, <laughs> and not crocheting my, my blankets. Uh, no, I do like making inserts. And, and we've talked about this before. I kind of like it in the same way I kind of like building model airplanes. You know, you have mm. this model, you're trying to put it together. And there's a couple of things that I like about it. One is I like putting it together. It's fun for me. But the other thing, and this is something that a lot of people complain about with games some games just take forever to set up and then to tear down to put them in their different baggies and so forth what a well-designed insert does is actually dramatically reduces the amount of time it takes to set up a game so for instance um yokohama which is a a game that i enjoy and i have the deluxe version i also have the uh, maple realty insert for it which is phenomenal very thematic. Uh, some of these inserts are, are actually remarkably thematic and actually help with the theming of the game. And in this one, um, it, it, it almost sets up in, instead of it taking about 15 to 20 minutes to set up, it sets up in about five. 
for another game, which I just built the insert for, which is City of the Big Shoulders, which is one of my top two games for um, uh, 2019, the game has a real setup. And it takes what's normally like a 25 to 30 minute setup and reduces it to about five to 10 minutes. Okay, that's really good. So now it was also a hard insert to build because they did one very clever little thing. But once it's built, it's absolutely beautiful. And if you go to my Instagram site, um, which I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, I think it's X Wall Street, uh, you can actually see some of the inserts that I built. And we'll, we'll put a tag on there, uh, mm-hmm. NaveCon as well. But inserts really serve two purposes. One is it's a fun project to build. They usually will take a couple of hours, two to three hours. Some of the more complicated ones may take longer. But, on, but once it's finished and you've put everything in place, it actually saves you a lot of time. And if you value your time and you put a dollar amount on it, soon these, these inserts don't become as costly. So for instance, uh, you know, let's say my, my time is worth $100 an hour, right? If I'm not disagreeing or agreeing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's just say for yucks, but let's say it's a hundred dollars an hour and it saves me a good 15, 20 minutes to set it up each time I play it. And I play it say 10 times. Um, I've saved five hours. That's $500. I would like to say at this point that everybody here note younger people, perhaps, um, how clever and how good an excuse to your partner that is for buying inserts. That's really, really good. I'm saving money by buying inserts. Really good. Really good. Okay. <laughs> yes, honey. I'm going to do the dishes while, uh, instead of putting the game away. So it's, it's saving us time. It's saving I, I, us aggravation. It's a beautiful thing. I wouldn't get you to do my dishes. You'd be at least $25. <laughs> and I'd say you'd drag the arse out of it as well and make probably. a 50. Yeah, probably. Um, one of the things that I've been lucky enough to get involved with, because you know me, I like technology. Uh, funny enough, I don't throw technology at everything. I only mm. throw the things that need it. Uh, and that's a big mistake people make, thinking that technology is a big solver of everything. It certainly is not. It needs to be applied carefully is 3D printing. Mm. I started down the road of 3D printing the year before last, and I have to say it's an interesting and equally frustrating at first uh, endeavor. Do you 3D print it all yourself? I don't. I don't have the money for it. It's Mm. not something that I can really justify. Okay. Uh, not that I would love, I would love to have it. And I, and but I it have- saves you time and you're, you know, all you need to do is save yourself a few hours. Yeah, and, yeah. It's not, <laughs> that's not going to help. Um, cause the amount of the, the, the initial cost of the equipment is so yeah, heavy sure. yeah. and the plastic is not cheap either. Uh, I do have some plastic inserts that other people have done that I've bought off of them. But the reality is, is that, no, I, I just, I, I can't see myself buying one, but being a technology guru and having your own company, I think it probably worked for you. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. In all fairness, it, the price of it has come down considerably and you can pick up a, a good 3D printer for maybe $300 or so. Um, and you can pick up a kilogram of, of filament for, you know, $20 or 20 euros or whatever. And that will do a lot for you. But what I would say is, um, like a lot of things, people have oversold this and make it out to be the greatest thing ever and so on. And it's not. It's absolutely not. It's an interesting endeavor. Do you like getting parcels in the morning from Amazon and so on with a board game in them, Philip? Yes. Okay. Who doesn't? Um, it's a little bit like that. What I, I When you set something to print, and it's a slow process, I mean, if you want to print out for example, um, an insert for a board game. It can take weeks, depending Mm -hmm. on, you know, it'll take hours. You know, I just printed one recently for Cousins War and it took 16 hours to print. It's not particularly big. It's like A5 in size, but there's a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But it's something that you set going, you walk away, you come back the next morning and if the gods are with you, then it comes out perfectly or close to perfectly and you have a new, something new has been born or it goes south and 
you know, it just prints all over your house and your mm. house is, you know, it, you just have something that looks like a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a crazy haircut that's come out at the end of it. But mm, there's a lot of learning. But once you've got to the point where you can kind of nine times out of 10 or, you know, 90 times out of, you know, 95, get it to print. Um, it's interesting. I've used it for several things, printing components for games. Um, you've played uh, Mare Nostrum, haven't you? I have, but I have all the upgraded bits from the original Kickstarter, including, bum, 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 the poker chips. Well, you know what? That's nice, and that's really cute. But I bet you don't have all the legendary cities printed out as actual legendary cities. That's so, correct. I don't. Yeah, you don't. Um, because here in Ireland, where we also get the deluxe versions um, and have had them for some time. No, the, I, I was able to print for two buddies of mine, um, three buddies of mine, actually, um, improved components. So the cities actually look like Troy and they look like the Acropolis and they look like um, proper temples and so on. And it's stuff that you can't get anywhere else, not available in shops, as a joke to a buddy of mine. And some of them can be very quick to print, like the cities took maybe two or three hours to print mm -hmm. all the cities. And then you have, you know, you go a little bit crazy and you're like, ah, okay, I'm, I'm going to print a dice roller shaped like Cthulhu's head. And that takes 24 hours to print. But you now have it and you're looking at it and you're going, it's great. Now I have a dice roll that looks like a two head. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but it's an interesting pastime and it's one that you, you, you fire and forget. Um, I'm, I have mine set up in the garage and I set it to print, walk away, come back the next day and I have something extra that just winked into existence. It's good for components. It's also good for making your own, um, inserts mm -hmm. which some of them and just as you said something like I, I i recently printed uh inserts for australia mm -hmm. and that's a that game has got a lot of components and if you have them in baggies and so on it's a pain in the behind to to pull them out now all you need to do is take out the green player takes out his green insert opens the lid and all his pieces are ready to go so you're you're talking about you know serious reduction in time and there's a few in there. And the one tip I would give anybody who has a 3D printer and wants to go down the route of doing components and inserts is on BGG, if mm -hmm. you do a Google for BGG 3D prints, um, you probably have a lot of your games set up in BGG under your account, the ones that you own. Or do you yes, do I do. Yeah. yeah. Is, it does a very simple query. You go in there and you go, show me the 3D prints for the games I own and it lists them all out. And then you go, ah, okay, um, this particular game, clicking it, here's all the 3D prints that are on Thingverse that you can print out and you go, I love that one there. And you you send it to your card and print it out. So it's a, it's a very neat way. The, it can become a little bit expensive if you go down the route. I have friends who 3D print for Dungeons and Dragons and they'd print buildings and they'd print trees and you know, they really go over the top. I'm not, not at that level, but they go to the point where they buy um, plans for 3D prints where mm -hmm. not just, you know, that and, and that can become expensive. Well, everything can be expensive if you spend money on it. Yeah. The, but there's a lot of stuff out there for free. Uh, and it's interesting. If you have access to a 3D printer, don't go and buy one. You need to try it. It's not what you think. It's a little bit different, but try it with a friend's printer or try it with a work printer or something like that. You look at it and kind of go, it's okay. It's interesting. But as I said, I like technology. This is a route I went down and, and it's, it's given me a lot of fun. I'm just thinking, uh, trying it with a friend. What is this friend thing you keep talking about? I still don't yeah, quite understand I, that. 
Parallel, you know, I'm talking about other people, I'm not talking about us, Philip. Oh, like, obviously, okay. we're we're long past redemption. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we really are. Yeah. People that think we're their friends, you know, just yeah, people that it, listen to this podcast. Yeah, that, I think that I think that may be true, and especially the way you play diplomacy. I'm not people sure people that many... haven't played diplomacy with me yet. <laughs> <laughs> that that's fair enough. Well, I I think that's been a really good review of blinging out games. It's certainly something that. Uh, I do, and I recommend others to do it. But it, again, as this is a hobby that is not essential for living, blinging is a, can be expensive, and you know you got to work within whatever budget that you got. Uh, I appreciate your insights onto 3D printing. It makes me less interested in doing it, quite frankly, uh, than I was before this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that, uh, Vic, once again, it's another it sponsor Apple. gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All 3d printers gone. Yeah. Uh, not that we've had a sponsor yet. Um, but we may get one one day and we'll have to turn them down, but because <laughs> this is a labor of love folks. We keep it, we do, we keep it real. You know, we're, we're not going to be, you know, swayed by, Oh, there's somebody. Yes. Their product's great. Exactly. exactly. I use it all the time. Exactly. So with that, everyone, I want to thank you very much. Uh, No matter where you are in the world, I hope you're staying healthy. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're washing your hands. I'm hoping that you're staying at least six feet or two meters apart from people whom you are not close to uh, for the social distancing, which is about the length of a halberd. And I'm going to bring that back. And (laughs) I think we should all carry around halberds just to make sure. So with that, Vic, thank you very much. And to everybody else, if you are looking to get a hold of me, I can be reached on Twitter at the at Board Game Rabbi. I'm available also on Instagram and a couple other places where I can't remember the my, my usernames. I'm also found very often in two Facebook groups, the Board Game Group, which I am an admin, and the Board Game Spotlight. Vic, where can they find you? If you Google NaveCon, if you go into NaveCon on Facebook, that's where you find me. But I, I tend to hang out in the same places as Philip. So the board game group on Facebook um, and BGG. It's been and a lot of fun. And, and, that's <laughs> by, and by the way, that is a NaveCon with a K, K-N-A-V-E. That's exactly it. The um, Nave as in a person of low repute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. With that, Vic, thanks very much. I hope you're staying safe. I hope your family's doing well through all this lockdown stuff. And I hope eventually we can meet each other face-to-face once this pandemic has run its course. Yeah, you too. Listen, you mind yourself and, and take care over there. It's crazy times and always a pleasure chatting. Let's, uh, let's do this again next week. Absolutely. Absolutely.